0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts.
1: Three, two, one.
0: Now. Now. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're getting through the week focusing on mental health, which means asking yourself, how's your mental health? Asking those around you when you encounter them, how is your mental health? Getting comfortable listening, sharing, and talking about it. And also, I hope we're focusing on lots of self-care. Again, that means things that make us feel better nourished, not worse off or depleted. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to be talking about how our self-centered, individualistic culture is bad for us and those around us. But right now, let's talk about some news. And luckily, I'm seeing some good stuff that's going on here. I'm I'm happy. I'm always happy when I see that. Calvin Klein. Uh, This is a little iffy. We'll unpack this. They are doing their pride campaign and they're including a lot of gender fluid trans individuals love that representation is important right we can't feel healthy or as total humanized beings if media television ads fashion doesn't reflect back who we are so that's beautiful it's also a little performative, meaning, well, why not use them the rest of the year? Why are these trans and gay individuals only of worth during Pride Month? I know, because you can sell things that way and you can seem like you care. True allyship and really being supportive means there's always inclusivity and recognition. If you only do it at Pride Month, well, that's suspect. What about the rest of the year? Why are they not always good enough to be included? Why are they only good enough to be part of a campaign at Pride Month to try to make some money off sales and to seem like an ally? So I'm always on the fence of that. Like, awesome, Calvin Klein, but like, how about you always do it? <laughs> like, I wanna see this year round. So, nah, do a little better. This is great news. I love this. This is out of my hometown, Philly. Philly students can now officially change their school district names. Love that. Which that basically means is that any student in Philadelphia can have their first name and pronouns changed uh, officially in the school district's system without parental consent. Love that. You, you don't you sh- Your parents shouldn't get to weigh in on your mental health in that way. Your parents shouldn't get to weigh, on, weigh in on who you really are and how you want to be seen in the world. Your parents don't need to weigh in on your name and pronouns. Uh, this is mental health. This is empowerment and autonomy. And teenagers have a right to that. And so I'm glad that they can petition and say, I am this person. This is how I want to be seen. And, and this is what I want to be respected and honored. I love that. There's been these horrible s- stories of teachers misgendering people. W- why? What's it to them? What do you care? Like... I want you to focus on mental health. It's not about you. That's, again, your narcissism. It's not about you or your needs. Is that hard to remember things? Sure. It's hard to remember people's names in general. I'm horrible with people's names. I'm always messing up people's names, but I try to do the work out of respect to the best I can. And people's names that they choose and their chosen pronouns, their preferred pronouns, their honest pronouns, their real pronouns, that's meaningful. And so I don't know why anyone would want to do an act of violence and not support or participate in that. That's so violent. Like, And we all know that. Um, Would you, if you are, you know, a cis hetero male, do you want someone calling you her or she? No. Why? Because your pronouns matter to you. Anyone who's a a cis female, do you want to be called sir or dude or a man? No, because your pronouns and your presentation are important to you. You get it. You do get it. No one wants to be called the opposite gender. People want to be called the gender that they are, whether they're non-gender, gender fluid, agender, whatever, cis, whatever, trans. We want to be recognized as what we are in terms of our gender expression and our Gender health, and and we all know that because no one anywhere in the world wants to be called something that they're not. Uh, UK doctors they're urging the public to go vegan to prevent future pandemics. I am here for this. We talk about this on all my shows. Plant based diet is probably one of the healthiest things. Um, one of the most famous people that came out was President Clinton. It helped reverse and prevent heart disease. A plant-based diet will prevent and reverse a heart disease. Um, it's it's just so great for you. It's good for the environment. It's good for our spirituality. So I love this. It's a group in the UK and they're saying, look, you know, the, the meat industry and the dairy industry are what gets us into these things. A lot of these zoonic viruses come from the factory farming. And if we start eating more of a plant-based diet, it's not just great for the environment and for pollution and the climate crisis, but it's also good for preventing the spread of these viruses. So you can do your homework around that. That's not conspiracy theory. That's that's fact and truth. Um, it's really important for all of us. I've been on a plant-based diet for a total of 17 years of my life, and it's one of the most profound things I've done for for my body and my mental health. And again, you know, my activism on the world. So. I think that's um, phenomenal. Consider that. Uh, here we are. I'm looking at Wisconsinites. They packed out the bars. Now they've opened up. Gosh, God bless them. They've loosened up on the shelter-in-place rules, and uh, it's horrifying. I'm <laughs> Sorry. I know that we're all excited to get out there, and so they came out in droves, but it's a good example, looking at the photos of what we're not supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be going into enclosed spaces around high numbers of people touching them, um, and that's what everyone's doing, and not wearing masks. It's heartbreaking, and we're going to see spikes in infections, as we have seen in any other area area, you know, such as I was calling out before these church congregations that are doing it, man, heartbroken because it impacts others. You know what I mean? Like, where's the compassion and care for yourself, your family members, and everyone around you? Um, One of my favorite pastors said, if your church is still holding services, you need a new church because they obviously don't care about you if they're just packing you in anyway. Beautiful sign for the bar. I know that we all are trying to stay employed. Better ways to do it. People should be wearing masks, distance. They should be removing chairs, forcing some distancing. Um, God bless y'all. You get to choose the level of risk you take, but remember that we're all out there on the receiving end of it, so do better. All right, coming up next, (laughs) we're going to be talking about the problem with, as selfish and individualistic and narcissistic as we are, and how to do better, because there's always room to do better. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and Radio.com. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. All right, we're back. We're going to get a little uh, intellectual and smart here, but don't worry. For those that don't understand the terms, I'm going to sling around. I'll hold your hand through it a little bit. So, We're going to talk about American narcissism and individualism. It's actually pretty basic. It means that we live in this world where we really think we only need to look out for ourselves. And you'll hear that people say that, worry about yourself, keep your side of the street clean. It's such a narcissistic position. And for those that aren't familiar with narcissism, it really depends on whether using a traditional version or more of a psychoanalytic pop culture sees narcissism as selfishness and obsession. And it's kind of the culture we live in where we don't think in a collective way. And we see that right now around the pandemic where people aren't worried about the impact on others. They're thinking, I don't want to wear a mask, doesn't look manly or cool. I don't want to wear a mask, it's annoying. Or I don't want to respect that for some of these businesses to be opened again, that people who might not feel safe or be ready to go back to work are forced to that because you want your hair done or your nails done or you want to see a movie, people are forced to go back to work that might not feel ready or feel safe doing so because you want access to those things. That is not a healthy, empathetic understanding of how we impact others. And so, yeah, you know, I've shared this many times. I want us to think more collectively. And and we're seeing that in the way people that are being asked to wear masks are literally Shooting, killing, harming, attacking, and fighting people. We saw the video of the woman at Red Lobster who was not willing to wait. Look, they're slowly letting people into the restaurant in order to keep social distancing and keep people safe. And she just wanted what she wanted. She didn't care about other people. She started literally attacking the employees at Red Lobster. They're just employees trying to do their job they don't even feel empowered enough to take care of or defend themselves and you could see that in the video that went viral where this white woman in her position of privilege as a customer and i'm sure in in a a form of white supremacy all all the people i saw in the video that worked at the restaurant uh, are employees so they're not empowered to necessarily fight back but also they were people of color and so in our white supremacist culture they don't necessarily feel safe or empowered to fight back and this woman didn't care she's just attacking screaming fighting and and again we saw that in multiple people in different stores getting shot or attacked for asking people to wear their masks we don't think enough about how we impact others and we're seeing that in people's refusal to wear a mask is it just highlights the pathology of thinking only about ourselves. And it's reinforced in terms of like self-help and self-esteem. We need to do relational help, relational esteem. Again, our, 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 our self-esteem is actually relationships. All those relationships in our lives now and historical, excuse me, reflect back our worth and our value. And that's why it's important to be in healthy relationships. But also self-help is such a individualistic, obsessive thing. Stop focusing on yourself. It should be relational help because we are always in relationship. We are relational beings. We have relationships with those. We, we you know, a barista at a coffee shop, our family members, employers, employees. We need to be better around and for others. Um, being completely isolated on our own, which we never really are, we don't need to work on that more. We've got that down. Uh, If you wanna be in relationship, you need to learn how to be better in relationship. And that's why I always push back also when people say, oh, learn and work on being single. Sure, if you plan on being single, but if you wanna be in a relationship, then you need to keep working on being better in relationships. So please don't work on being single if that's not your goal. Work on how to be a better relational being. Um, Just like if you wanna be employed. Don't work, don't, you know, you don't work on and learn how to be unemployed. That makes no sense. If your goal is employment, continue to work on how to go on job interviews better, write a better resume, um, etc. Et have better skills. Being a human being in mental health and relational health are the same thing as well. And remember relational health and mental health are the same thing. So. Being narcissistic and self-centered, that is not mental health. And not considering the impact you have on others, what you say and what you do, that is not mental health. Just worrying about yourself or your side of the street, that is not mental health. That's also on the continuum. Uh, narcissism and sociopathy, being a sociopath, they're on the same continuum. One's a lighter version of the other. And just thinking about yourself is a lighter version of that. The, the worst version is that I care so little about my impact on others that I'm willing to murder and physically injure. But all those different things, verbal abuse physical abuse that is on that spectrum you are engaging in narcissism you're putting your needs first um, unless you're defending yourself And so what's coming out of this pandemic is that I'm seeing people not care about their impact on others, people that are living with others. And they're like, ah, I'm gonna go out in the world and do what I want to do. I'm going to still hook up and date and all these things and then come home and touch all the furniture and everything that you're, that you're now exposed to. And I don't care how I impact you. That is heinous. (laughs) So I want us to work on thinking more collectively, more compassionately, more of a perspective of how do I impact others? That should be the question. And also in relationships, when we, when we attach and bond socially romantically, I want us to start thinking in terms of us and we, not I and me. That's when I know a couple has attached and are doing the healthy work. When they think of, how does this impact my partner? Because we're in a committed, attached relationship. So everything I do does impact them. That doesn't mean I'm not allowed to set boundaries, say no. That doesn't mean I'm not allowed to do things without them. That doesn't mean I'm not allowed to upset them or disappoint them. You can, but you still consider that. And you might consider that and say, mm, I'm okay with that because I'm not going to honor this one thing that might make them uncomfortable because it's important that I do it anyway. And that comes up. When partners want them to not be friends with their exes or to go out without them and they're like, "Mm, I'm going to still do that That doesn't mean i'm not considering you But what you're asking is bigger than what i'm willing to offer So you're still a lot of boundaries and privacy and take care of yourself We're not trying to be toxically without all that But I am saying you have an eye on how do I impact them and that's part of your decision making and we need to do that with Everyone whether it's the barista Whether it's the housekeeper at the hotel whether it's your husband whether it's your child or your employees I want employers to do that too. These are people they're not employees. They're people. Your decision-making should be taking that into account. And so we all got work to do. So let's do it. All right. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Loveline. Loveline. Love, love, Loveline. 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 Love line. This is our- Loveline with Dr. Chris
1: on channel Q.
0: All right. Now we're going to be talking with Dr. Ursula Whiteside, licensed psychologist and CEO of nowmattersnow.org. How are you? Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. How are you doing through all this? How's your How's your mental health? What kind of self-care are you up to?
1: You know, I think it's, um, I think for all of us, it's a super transition. I mean, stating the obvious, um, I think, I, I like, I think of it as a real growth time. So something to sort of get back on my sleep schedule and um, try and, I don't know, deepen those connections that I have with my friends uh, and family that maybe I haven't had been paying as much attention to so i spent a lot of time this weekend with my family i'm in seattle and they're in minnesota just doing a video call and we haven't done that in a while so more reason
0: i'm thankful for the technology we have it's keeping us connected but uh more importantly i'm here in la it's warming up i i love seattle weather which shocks some people but i'm jealous
1: yeah yeah you're not alone i mean i like seattle weather too but I, once in a while, I wouldn't mind LA weather.
0: <laughs> a little sun doesn't hurt. Um yeah. So I read a stat, and this was off of the um, Now Matters Now org site, and it was really uh, shocking to hear that ten million American, uh, ten million adult Americans, seriously consider suicide each year. Far too high. Um, unpack that a little bit for us.
1: Yeah, they did this survey where they asked people. They asked a big group of people how um, if whether or not they'd had suicidal thoughts so and then estimated to the larger population so we we know that they're probably far more than 10 million adult Americans because only a certain subset of people or a certain group of people are willing to tell a stranger that they've had suicidal thoughts so uh, so it's a lot of people but I think what I find hopeful in that are two things one that the vast, vast majority of people who are having suicidal thoughts are not going on to kill themselves um, because we know the suicide rate is is closer to 48,000 people per year, which is way too many, but it's nowhere near 10 million. Um, and I guess also just that in that like, we're not alone, that this is like part of the human experience. And I think for a long time, we've treated it as sort of this like strange or unusual thing. Um, but as we learn more, it, it's it's common and it's um, maybe better looked at as an indication of suffering or of going through hard times um, rather than some really strange abnormality or some kind of illness that needs to be, you know, where someone needs to go to the hospital and stay in the hospital. We're finding that that actually probably isn't the most useful thing for people who are having suicidal thoughts, at least for the most part.
0: So it's a really profound thing that you just said. Um, A lot of people that work in the suicide uh, field um, kind of sound the alarm right away. And so it was interesting to kind of look at your website and it, 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 gave me, it gave me a sense of what I'm trying to do with this show, which is I'm trying to get people more familiar hearing people talk about mental health so people feel more comfortable sharing and discussing so as to help them with resources and whatnot. So let's circle back to what you said in reference to suicide as well as just normalizing mental health. Um, how do we both take someone discussing suicide seriously while also trying to hold the space and not panic so that they will continue to share that with us and we feel safe to them?
1: Yeah, I think it is really about if somebody's telling me this, that means that we have a real relationship that they trust me. And um, and what people who've been suicidal want, because I have a whole team of people who inform my work, what they want is for someone to be present, not panic and sit with them like for the most part they don't want to go to the hospital that's not what's going to be most helpful for them um and oftentimes people's intensity of suicidality or suicidal thoughts will come down pretty quick when they feel connected and um and sort of yeah i guess feel connected again feel less alone um and the way that we do that is by not panicking by showing that we're paying attention and showing that we can hang um and to do that in our own heads that's reminding ourselves this is part of the human experience people go through hard times and I can be useful by you know listening and not panicking
0: and I think that that's and hard because I, I know a lot of people when someone comes to them to say I'm anxious or I'm depressed or I'm sad a lot of us have that natural instinct we need to fix it we need to solve it and yeah. you're kind of saying what I tend to say which is maybe just be present and listen and just allow them to share
1: Absolutely, our brains really don't want other people to be in pain, or we just haven't spent a lot of time talking about emotions, so we get really uncomfortable. Um, I, I think we need to do our own work to be aware that that's that's normal to to have to want to fix things or to get anxious, and then to come back to this moment and be with this person who's been willing to share share like this this thing that isn't easy necessarily to talk about.
0: And let's talk a little bit about resilience. I was on um, a panel last week, and that was what I was asked to speak on. And I I hit two approaches where I said, you know, we can talk about resilience so that individuals can try to build theirs. But then I also said, I want to also talk, and your work does this as well, about some of the larger social justice or social elements that force people to need resilience, which is where I think we need to best target things. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that in reference to suicide.
1: Um, Well, people come to suicidal experiences, you know, for good reason, right? And oftentimes that's after a series of experiences that, you know, broadly classified are injustice. Um, And if you walk through the world in, you walk through a world that's constantly interacting with you in a way that is different from the majority or um, that is um, sort of, Treating you different in some way, that's going to have an effect over time. Independent of whether you have a mental health history or a genetic history that it's in your family, just being treated as other um, or not having the same resources, what happens over time is it increases your level of stress. And when we, as our stress increases and if we have that higher level over time, we're more vulnerable. So... When a normal thing, like a normal stressful thing happens to someone who lives in an unjust environment, their response is going to appear bigger um, because they're already up higher than the rest of us like on our day to day basis. I'm not sure if I'm 100% 100%. We're not
0: we're not all entering a struggle from the same level of support or care from community or loved ones. And I think immediately of, you know, the LGBTQIA community where, um, you know, if you are if you lose a loved one, or you become unemployed, it's different if you also are experiencing consistent transphobia or homophobia in the world, and that might escalate um, what you think your choices are.
1: Right. Absolutely. It's like you're just going to be more raw um, by nature. And it's unfortunate that, you know, you have to be in this situation in the first place. But some of the most powerful people come out of that because they have to figure out a way to survive. And that's one of the reasons that the NowMattersNow.org website exists, because it offers some of the tools that are in, you know, really expensive expensive mental health treatments. Um To any, for anyone to use, Um, and these are coping skills from a treatment called dialectical behavior therapy. Basically, it's just people who've used these coping skills, um, talking about how they use them in their own life, and then videos of like what those coping skills are. And we're finding that people who visit the website have fewer suicidal thoughts in 10 minutes or less. So. There is this element of storytelling as well of I've been here. Here's my experience. I don't know if it'll be helpful to you, um, but this is how I got through it.
0: Beautiful. Dr. Ursula Whiteside, thank you so much for your time and for everything you're doing. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Have a beautiful night.
1: Love Line with
0: Dr. Chris.
1: On Channel Q.
0: All right, we're back. It's time to slide into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms. It's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Hi, Dr. Chris. I'm a therapist, and I want to be more social justice minded. What is your suggestion around hearing clients that say things offhandedly that are, are excuse me, sexually racist, such as I don't date certain races, et cetera, et cetera, excuse me, or are the problematic things that aren't the actual issue they came in to work on? This is a really interesting and complex question, but I actually value this one. So a few things, you know, as a mental health professional, we have to decide what we deem the definition of mental health to be. And it really is subjective in some form. We don't have a really specified definition. Um, The diagnoses themselves bump into this a little bit, meaning um, we have definitions like narcissism, sociopathy, and these things are all about the devaluing of certain lives and a lack of empathy. And I really do believe that racism, homophobia, any, any, any system or prejudice that dehumanizes or minimizes the value of a life, I do believe falls on the narcissism and sociopathy scale. Now we it's you know we are all on those scales though and it's a matter of how much like we are all borderline it's how borderline are we we are all narcissistic how narcissistic are we we are all on the mental illness continuum, and that's why I just kind of call it the normative continuum. And so, yeah, people that say things that target different groups in my mind, that does not fall under the label of mental health. And so I bring it in, not in a judgmental way, but I say, hey, let me stop you for a second. You know, you just made a comment that implies that you believe certain populations don't have value. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about where that came from. Let's talk about how that doesn't serve you. Let's talk about the impact that that has on other areas of your life, but also on that population themselves. I really do believe that therapists need to be activists as well. And our clients do as well. And that's why a lot of therapy has to be on sending our clients back out into the world to dismantle the very systems, thought processes, and institutions that they're at the mercy of and being oppressed by. Something very empowering that. But as therapists, we have to do the same thing. We cannot think that we are going to cure all of these issues, but more importantly, the causes of these issues. Because what brings our clients into our office are symptoms of larger issues. And we can't help change that and dismantle that in 45-minute sessions in our office once a week, we also have to be part of the more macro level dismantling. And that comes in our office when we challenge our clients to be a part of breaking down that system. And so my my definition of mental health is rooted in things like authenticity and liberation, but very much so also in compassion. And so, yes, I call that out. and I work with my clients on that, Um, but my clients somewhat come to expect that. But I I absolutely fold that in. And I think that's very much an important part of being trauma informed, but also, like you said, being social justice just minded. I can't, based on my own integrity or ethics, sit around anyone saying violent and oppressive things, whether it's a client, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend as an activist, I take that very seriously, no matter where I'm located. Uh, sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan condoms. Cause it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence coming up next. we got our buddy from channel Q, Jared Hill, joining us. We're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Love, line. Love, 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 love line. line love line love line love line this is love line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q Anyway, let's go now to our next guest, Pluko, electronic DJ and producer. How are you? Welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, um, I'd love to check in on your mental health. How is yours right now?
2: It's pretty good. Yeah, it was uh, towards the beginning of all of this uh, stuff. I mean, I'm sure along with most of everyone, it was kind of uh, a little all over the place. But I've started to kind of get a a schedule and everything and just get like a nice routine and keep my head focused and, you know, just keep stay in the zone and try to just stay uh, healthy with everything. And
0: yeah, what about you? Mine's pretty good. I'm kind of doing what you're doing, yeah. which is it's that routine piece. Otherwise, it's a matter of, you know, what day is it? What time is it? Even what month is it yeah. sometimes? You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah, the routine is so important.
0: So, you are a uh, small town PA guy. I'm from PA as well. Yeah. I always get excited when I see another Pennsylvanian. Oh, yeah. Where were you from? Uh, right outside Philadelphia in the Westchester, Westtown area.
2: Okay. And where are you now? Uh,
0: Los Angeles. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, So looking at your bio, I I saw that, you know, your time in Pennsylvania was difficult, small town. A lot of people didn't necessarily understand music or artistry. And you talked a little bit about getting bullied for being
2: different. How did you cope with that? Um, I mean, it was just it was really interesting. I mean, now, like literally the people that would make jokes about like what i was doing i mean i like to think that i I don't like to have any enemies really so like i'm on good terms with all those people now but it's just uh back then it was just it was just pretty frustrating i mean it was like i was just doing what i wanted to do and what i was interested in and yeah i mean the music wasn't the best at the beginning but i mean people were pretty pretty harsh just for me doing something that not everyone else was doing you know it was it was very interesting and i guess how i dealt with it was just like screw you guys i'm just going to prove you wrong you know it was just like i'm going to keep doing this because i want to do it and uh i don't really care like what anyone thinks you know and um yeah i mean that was kind of the mentality that i i didn't like to dwell on it very much i mean yeah sure it was frustrating but i mean it was probably less than a year it probably lasted less than a year cuz all i wanted to do was just be like okay like you guys there's no way you can say that you don't like this music you know there's i i had to kind of prove them wrong
0: i love the confidence in that you guys there's no way you can say you don't
2: love my music <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean cuz i mean like the music that i was making at the time that i was being made fun of made fun of for was awful but like if somebody if someone comes up to me and and like shows me what they're doing and they're so excited about it and i personally don't think it's the best i'm not going to say that to them and make fun of the fun of them for it you know you want to like support them and bring them up and tell them to keep going and keep getting better and um yeah there's the like people just handle things with negativity just based on like insecurities and stuff and it's it's hard to deal with but you just have to like keep your head straight and just understand that those people like have nothing to do with what you want to do you know
0: Yeah, I mean, I say this to nauseam. I just want us to have more of an ethic grounded in compassion, like support people doing the things that make them happy and they love. And I personally love celebrating people's success because when I hear someone making a career out of what they like to do, like that's beautiful to me. That inspires me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even like, yeah, like it doesn't matter even if you don't understand it or don't agree with it or don't like whatever they're doing, if they're happy doing it, then that's all that matters. Who are you to to judge that, you know?
0: Yeah. And you talked in one of the interviews about the fact that, and I thought this was a beautiful understanding of human nature that we as humans tend to be afraid of anything that's a little different or out of the ordinary. Um, and yet a lot of creativity is found in the non-ordinary. Like I think that's where beauty actually lies. How much, tell us more, how much has that inspired your work?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been about kind of getting outside of my comfort zone and, um, putting myself in positions that I wouldn't typically want to be in, but I know that at the end of the day, they're going to be good for me, you know? So like, I mean, I, I was terrified to do shows and, um, I still like every time I book a show, I'm like, Oh man, I'm really going to have to like be in front of a crowd and like have to do that again. And it's, it's nerve wracking, but it's, it's really good to, just keep pushing myself and keep like, even if it's a new city that I've never played in or whatever it is. Um, it's always those are that's an example of just like it always kind of put pushing that boundary always feels really good. And like breaking through that. And once I do the show, I'm like, that was great. Like, I'm so glad I did that. And it's, it's just this big relief. And it's the same thing with like so many things, like the first time I ever flew by myself and like the first time that I ever, I mean, I moved to New York City at the beginning of this year. I had to move back because of all of this stuff. But doing that was a, a really uncomfortable thing and being in this huge city living with, like, a bunch of 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I'm, like, 19 and i just, like, very out of place, you know. But, yeah, I, I find a lot of inspiration and just overall, I just find a lot of just like growth in when I'm uncomfortable and in places that I don't think that I would be comfortable in, you know?
0: Okay, that's a very, very evolved, mature perspective that I work with clients for decades to come to, to see yeah. like the transformative capacity of difficult moments. So where yeah. do you get so much resilience? Because as you said, you're 19 and you vulnerably put your music out there and you perform and you move to New York City, which is a very intense city to relocate to. So where's that
2: resilience come from? I mean, I, I just like, I don't like to think about things too much. And I mean, I definitely overthink a lot of things, especially creatively, but as far as like decision-making goes and like willingness to, I'm down to do like anything, you know, I'm down to go anywhere. I'm down to, and I guess that's just like how I was raised or how I was born or whatever. That's just kind of like my mindset. I'm always trying to like better myself and like learn more and do more. And I just think like, I just want to be, like 80 years old and look back and think that I did like absolutely everything that I could possibly do and like not have any regrets you know what I mean
0: yeah well it, you know look at I'm um, looking at everything you're doing I, I think you're gonna get there I think you might even get there in your 30s you might not have, have to until <laughs> you're eighty. love line with dr. Chris On Channel Q. All right, we're back. And we got Pluko, electronic DJ and producer. Let's talk about something else you're doing. Because again, you got a lot on your plate. Uh, Splendid Society. It's essentially, I guess, a collective and a clothing line. And I loved one of the taglines. It said, it's a brand for good people doing good things. That is stunning. Where does that come from?
2: I don't know. That's just kind of like... Just kind of like the mindset. I mean, that's my mindset for a lot of things. And that's, I mean, I'm, I do the Splendid Society stuff like the clothing uh, with my two friends from my hometown. And we're, we're all kind of on the same page creatively and with that whole kind of like vibe about just like positive things and just spreading positivity and, and all of that. And uh, so we all just kind of came to that like theme, you know, for the whole purpose of the brand and everything and just, we don't want it to be like a, like a, an obnoxious like, uh, streetwear brand type vibe. We just want it to be a brand for just kind of everybody, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, I guess. Just, just positive vibes. That's pretty much my, my motto for sure.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we have some questions that came in that I want you to answer with us. But before we get to that, on top of the clothing line and the music and the producing and all that, you're also running marathons?
2: Uh, we're well, not a full marathon half okay. marathon, uh, yeah, yeah. all right Well, it's hard to get me to run
0: around my neighborhood. So I'm still impressed with a half marathon
2: Well, honestly, I haven't been I was supposed to run a full marathon like Tomorrow actually, but I mean obviously all of those things were canceled and so I like stopped running when all this pandemic stuff started And so now i'm only running like four or five miles uh for my runs, but like, I'm supposed to be running like 26 miles tomorrow. If, if none of this stuff would have happened, obviously that's not happening, but, uh, I will get that full marathon mark either by the end of this year or next year. I need to do it as soon as I, can and as soon as it's safe to, you know.
0: Yeah, well said. You got to get that safety piece in there, man. You're blowing my mind with all you're doing. The bar's high. The bar's high. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, some questions came in from fans that I'd love for you to answer with us. This oh, awesome. first one asks, "What's the story behind your name?" That's a good one. I had that same question myself.
2: Yeah, so it's 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 kind of funny. So my original name was Pluto, like the planet, and um, so that was my name for a while. And literally, the only reason why I liked that name was the way it looked and the way it sounded. So it had nothing to do with like space or or anything like that. And so, um, I had a song or two that started to do really well and started to get a lot of attention. And with that, we had no like copyright or trademark for, uh, Pluto. And so we were like, Disney owns all of this, the rights to this on the music side and the entertainment side. Uh, And so we were kind of forced to change it. And so I thought about it for literally two months. It was driving me absolutely nuts. I had all these dumb names that I was trying to come up with. And then I was like, okay, the only reason I came up with Pluto is because I liked how it looked and I liked how it sounded. And if I just change one letter, it's going to look and sound pretty much the same way. So uh, that's kind of how that happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Easy transition over from the T to the K.
2: I like it. I like it. And it's actually really worked out because now when you Google – Pluto, I come up instead of like when you would Google Pluto, it was the planet, you know,
0: that's a lot of competition, an entire planet. So yeah, yeah. I
2: I still, I still wouldn't be showing up.
0: (laughs) The next question asks, how did you get into producing
2: and how did you blow up so fast? Uh, Well, I got into producing um, just because I was a fan. You know, I was really into, uh, I was really, I've always been really into music. I was really into hip hop for a while, but then I started to get into like the whole, skrillex stuff and then like the martin garrick stuff and then once i found like soundcloud and like all of like the stuff that was going on with trap and future bass that's when i really wanted to go uh try it myself and i started by making just like house music and like martin garrick stuff and then while i was doing that i found all the cool future based stuff and then tried making that and then i just like became obsessed with it i'm like a super obsessive person and so as soon as i get into something i want to be as great as I possibly can be and learn as much as I possibly can and talk to as many people like I, I, met, I met so many like friends through SoundCloud and that I would learn from and we'd work together and share projects and I'd see how they would do things and share ideas, you know, and uh, really just trying to absorb as much as possible. And as far as like the blowing up thing, I mean, that didn't happen for like two two years probably after I started I, uh, I didn't really like I, I was putting out music and making music for two years and I'd be lucky if I got 2,000 streams you know um, but the, the, the thing that really uh, set my music off was when Trap Nation posted one of my songs I would always submit my songs to them and finally they liked one of them and then also, that was at the same time that SoundCloud was like, if you would get a repost on SoundCloud, it was like a game changer. So there was a lot of like people reposting like friends' tracks and doing favors for people, and just it was it's such a great community of just like positive people and helping everybody's helping each other out. So I credit a lot of uh, the energy at the beginning, first to Trap Nation, and then also to like SoundCloud and uh, the reposting. So
0: stuff. hard work. I mean, that's what's so funny. When people talk about someone blowing up is the answer is usually what you said. Uh, didn't happen overnight. I've been behind the yeah. scenes working my butt off, you know, doing the labor, uh, which I like that message, though, is that, you know, don't accept failure if it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes the more successful careers, they take time. And I think that there can be a beauty in that. Um, Absolutely yeah we have one final question this one asks what was the hardest part about touring and playing the shows for you and did it impact your mental health at all
2: um i'd say the hardest part about touring is just like not being home and just not being like very comfortable um which i mean i've talked about how not being comfortable was a good thing but at the same time it's also not like it's not the most fun especially when it's like getting on a plane all the time and uh, a lot of times one of the biggest things is like my diet completely changes when I'm on tour because I like wake up and my flights usually before like nine o'clock. So I got to wake up at like five thirty, and I don't like to eat breakfast that early. So I don't eat at all. And then I get on the plane and I don't eat until I land, which is like five hours later. So I don't eat until like five o'clock every day.
0: Pluko, you uh, got to bring a little
2: snack pack. Come on, buddy. I'm going to worry I about it. I know. <laughs> I just, it's so bad. And then What else? I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, like the diet thing is probably the thing that messes me up the most. And also, I'm usually by myself, or I'm not with any of my like loved ones or friends or anything. So I'm always like on my phone and my screen time goes up so much, because I'm always chatting with everybody that's back home and stuff. So that's another thing that is the result of being on tour. I'm always kind of locked in on my phone a little more, which is never good (laughs)
0: yes it's not great for the mental health pluko thank you so much for being part of the show and for all your vulnerability and uh good stuff with the clothing line i'm glad you're putting out that message of compassion
2: yeah thank you so much for having me of course have a great night you too appreciate it see ya be well
0: Love, line. Love, 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 line. Line. love, love line. line, love line, love line, love line, This is love line with Doctor Chris
1: on Channel Q.
0: All right, it's that time of the night. A little DM action. Slide into them. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world, and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, here we go. We got a, we got a little baby question over here. Uh, let's start with this one. Hey, Dr. Chris, I keep seeing on my timeline people sharing a post that says it's not about homosexuality or heterosexuality. It's about promoting sexuality, period. Let kids be kids. And so many people feel this way. Can you explain why this thinking is problematic? I have to like wrap my head around what you're saying here somehow like I'm reading it a couple times. I'm still not clear. I haven't seen this post. So I'm going to reread again what the post says. It's not about homosexuality or heterosexuality. It's about promoting sexuality, period. Let kids be kids. Um, I'm not really sure what you're asking or what the struggle is, but let me say it like this. Sexuality does exist for kids. Uh, there are erections shown in utero. You can derive pleasure from touching your and sexual anatomy from birth. Sexuality exists through our lifespan. I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging the sexuality, um, of children. I think it's okay to talk to kids about people dating, same sex, opposite sex, talking about the correct terminology for their bodies and talking about the fact that, yeah, touching your body sometimes derives pleasure for you. And so I'm assuming you're talking about the hypersexualization of children. Uh, I don't really know. So that's my answer. Alright, moving on to the next one Ah. Hey Dr. Chris, I'm asking this at midnight on a Saturday So who knows if you'll ever see it or answer But I need your advice I like those questions My boyfriend and I worked together at a restaurant A guy got hired that I hooked up with seven years ago in high school He's now my best friend's baby daddy My boyfriend knows we hooked up Because it's a small town Yikes Uh, and he was asking about him and he was saying it'll be weird working with him because our girls are best friends And I said, oh you guys might actually even get along cuz he's pretty cool. And then World War 3 He said I'm disrespectful. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't say that someone hooked up with his cool It's so messed up. He said he can't get past how disrespectful I am. Should I apologize and stop the argument? I didn't say he was hot or amazing in bed or anything like that Something wrong with me for being stubborn and not apologizing for someone I hooked up with seven years ago. Oh my gosh, you guys. This is one of those ones. Seven years ago, you hooked up with someone and you are currently with someone and all's well, and you love each other and trust each other. And this other person has a girlfriend and a child and they're a threat. Listen, we got to let go of the idea that It should be triggering that people have a sexual history prior to meeting us. Everyone does generally. It's part of sexual development. It's acceptable. Um, If someone says that they're cool and you might get along, that's an even more powerful sign that all's well and that we can all be friends. My God. Yeah, be friends with this person. I don't think it's disrespectful. Um, So, you know, again, here, look. Intent and impact both matter. So although there's nothing wrong with the concept your boyfriend's feelings were hurt. Attend to that part. Hey, I'm sorry that what I said hurt your feelings. I really care about you. I love you. I don't like knowing that you're hurt. And what I said, I actually stand behind. I still think it's okay for me to acknowledge that the person I hooked up with eight years ago, seven years ago, who's not a threat because we love each other and all's well. Um, that you guys might get along and you might be able to be friends. Like I actually like the concept of people being friends with other people's exes or hookups. Like, oof, especially if you live in a small town. Um, yeah. But you can still tend to his feelings, right? The intent was good, but the impact was his feelings were hurt. You can kind of hold both. Um, yeah. All right. Slide and CDMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. And we want you to explore with confidence. Well, y'all, that's our show. Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Guys, have an awesome night. See you tomorrow. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q.